You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. I think I have a problem with that silver medal. I think if I was an Olympic athlete, I would rather come in last than win the silver, if you think about it. You know, you win the gold, you feel good. You win the bronze, you think, well, at least I got something. But you win that silver, that's like, congratulations, you almost won. Of all the losers, you came in first of that group. You're the number one loser. No one lost ahead of you. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Always In, Never Close podcast, podcast, podcast. Remember when the team motto back in the ball party day was like, always earn, never give it. They should switch it. They should put it on the wall, spray it up on the, spray it up in the dressing room. Always in, never close. I love how, like, thank you, Elliot. Could anybody have put it more succinctly? Does this not describe Bradtree Living's last five years to a T? Always in. He was always in on it, just never close. Why would you, I don't like, why did you, what a waste of time. What a waste of time and energy. Why were you in, always in on it and never close? Yeah. Like, how does that make sense for that long? Yeah. That's my number one complaint with this whole Eichel thing is like, we'll get some other complaints, but I mean, what, why waste your time? Why waste everyone's time? Why put the rumors out there? Why possibly piss off people like Mac Chug? Like, what have you been doing? Why, why have you been kind of like tangentially pursuing this for the last seven months? If you're, if you're, not going to be close. I don't get if, it. If you were never close, always in. Elliot says Bradtree Living and the Calgary Flames were always in on Jack Eichel, but from my understanding, they were never close. Why waste your fucking time? You know how much fucking time that was a, you know what that was? That was a colossal waste of time and energy. Like, you could have spent, looked, you could have spent that time like trying to get Thomas Hurdle or trying to sign Chuck or trying to sign Gaudreau. Just look at the amount of energy that got completely wasted on social media alone. Like what? And this is what this is what this organization is paying this guy to do. Just fucking oh, just track this Eichel thing from day one. <laughs> oh yeah, the Flames. Are, it's a one yard fucking finish, but the Flames are aren't even close. So, like, dude. All right, we're going to get through the sequence of events. Because it was a wild sequence of events. Holy cow, what a last 42 hours it's been. Fucking Kevin Weeks, eh? With the Jeez. absolute fucking... Oh, does you, the, does the Matthew Kachuk, like, does he have to, like, hire his own per, PR guy or something for all these idiots spreading these this misinformation about him? Apparently, hey, eh? This is uh, back... <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so, I mean, obviously, if you're, as long as you're not living under a rock, you already know the sequence of events, but we'll, we'll go through them again. 
first thing you hear is, okay, uh, the trade talks are ramping up again. They want to get a deal done in the next day or two. And, oh, by the way, Calgary's still in it. Here's the here's the few teams left remaining. And then Calgary Flames fans are kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, we're still in it. Sweet, sweet. And then, I don't know who it is, but, oh, yeah, it's the PR people from Buffalo. They come out and say, oh, yeah, it's fucking right down to the wire. There's two yeah. teams left. <clears throat> Emily it's Kaplan based- from ESPN said it's like it's down to Calgary and Vegas. Right on the fucking one-yard finish line. Okay, wow, way to get everybody's hopes up, Emily. Hey, because the fucking at that point, Flames fans are like, holy shit, maybe we do get Jack Eichel. Yeah. And we were trying to figure out like, OK, maybe this can work cap wise, like because maybe you can like dump the door. Maybe this works. Maybe they've talked to Monahan about moving. Maybe this, maybe we can do this. It's like, well, here's how this is what I've been saying to you. This is what we've been saying is, OK, if the reports are true and Brad Chulivin actually still is in on this. He must have a solution in line, right? Why would he be in on it for so fucking long if he didn't have the solution in terms of relieving himself cab wise? Now I bet. Now I bet. Now you know. Now you know it was all pretend performative bullshit, probably. Think of the amount of hours that even just fans spent trying to crunch the cap numbers and come up with solutions and fucking. What a waste of time. Seriously. So then it goes from, oh, yeah, it's a one yard, one yard line finish to, okay, here's the new report. It's Matthew Kachuk going to Buffalo. Thanks, Kevin Weeks, for uh, another former first rounder prospects. Did did he say anything else? Was that the dude when that dropped? Because here's the exact tweet that Kevin Weeks send out i like when people like this say stuff like this like you can't help but like not think that it's like somewhat true right like well it's kevin works for espn he works for the nhl network he works for tsn like you'd feel like when you see stuff like this and you're a fan and he's verified and like it's kind of alarming so so week says um it was kachuk a first round pick, a former first round pick. So he, he didn't know who. Well, and then he also and two throws, prospects. He also throws in there in brackets on after Kachuk, who is yeah. a future potential captain, an upcoming first round pick, a former first round pick, and two prospects in the Eichel sweepstakes. That's from his understanding what the Flames have offered. Now, that causes an immediate reaction. <laughs> Does it not? An immediate reaction, an immediate collective like head explosion from from everyone. That um that got Twitter in a frenzy. I don't know about Instagram. It probably got Instagram oh, in a frenzy. It sure did. But yeah, that that made things. That was like throwing uh, gasoline right re- re- on top of the fire, eh? Like that was ridiculous. Dude, I that was up- like dropping a new a, a atom bomb in the middle of downtown Calgary. If you're listening, you probably remember, just think, what kind of response did you have? Because I was like, oh, fuck, no. He's going to fuck this up. You have to trade your best player away in order to fucking go get somebody, right? Just like, do you not understand the concept of adding? I pulled the fan base. I said, how do you feel about it? Um, 8% said, good. Chuck's overrated. 
22% ask the question, how does this even make us better? Is like a lateral move. So what's the fucking point? 29% said Brad's a complete idiot. That's just general in general, not even referring to this probably. (laughs) And then 41%, this is the winner of the poll. This is 525 votes said, well, I guess it's worth it for Jack. Now I know I saw you put out something on Instagram saying, sure. Jack Eichel is a better player than Matthew Kachuk in a vacuum. But how is that? How do you trade Kachuk with all those other assets for Jack Eichel when questionably in some circumstances you would prefer to keep Matthew Kachuk one for one? Well, let's say you prefer to keep Matthew Kachuk, right? Like that's the thing is like everyone is thinking, oh, Eichel's better than Kachuk. Sure, but like look at what Matt Kachuk does for this team. To just delete him from the roster and have to wait three months for Jack Eichel to get here would be insane. He's been I mean, our best player, has he not? He's been, as- he has been the best player on this team this year, for sure. I mean, Johnny Gaudreau is the best, but if you want to look at underlying, he's been Matthew Kachuk consistently has been, well, him and Lindholm have been big play drivers. So, I mean, that was my first thing is like okay well we're just going to delete our best player from our team right now and then like okay let's say sure Kachuk and Eichel one for one if there was some sort of contract dispute with Matthew Kachuk where he sat down with Brad and said I'm not signing here I don't want to sign here okay well then there's a discussion to be had but is Jack Eichel Yuso Valimaki Matthew Coronado a first round pick and another prospect better than Matt Kachuk I don't know. I don't think so. It's way too much. And I think the freak out was like to what you were saying is like, why do we have to give up our best player and the entire franchise in a trade? (laughs) You know, isn't a trade supposed to work for both sides? Like weigh weigh the benefits versus the reward here. You know, you called, you called this out right away. Right. You, I remember seeing your stories in Instagram that, you said this is probably a, an intentional leak, a fake leak totally. from Buffalo to the media just to up the ante from Vegas at the, at, the, at the wire, right? And I mean, yes, that makes sense from a strategic place. I don't even know if that should be allowed, dude. Like, should, the, should, should Gary and the, and the league create some sort of penalty for teams that do that? It's kind of like you're – you always have this. There are some conflict of interest rules in place. There's right? tampering. Yep. Yeah. There's tampering stuff. It would, how does this not form part of that? It's like, well, <clears throat> like how you have, you could potentially create what's already a, it seems to be a pretty volatile situation between Matthew Kachuk and this organization. I mean, I don't know for sure if that's true, but if you look at what's gone, gone on in the last 24 months between him and the club, you, you would kind of, you can make an argument that, you know, the relationship could be a bit rocky. So you have a situation like this. If it's completely false, should it be allowed? Well, I'd like to hear, because again, this, remember when the O'Brien stuff happened? Yep. Shane O'Brien comes out and says, uh, Chuck wants out of Calgary. And then eight months later says, Oh, I never said that. Yeah. And then totally backs off and lies. Um, but according to Pinder, and some guys on who are plugged in at the fan, they said the organization was quite pissed. At that the, that, at that the, was at the O'Brien, 
the O'Brien thing. Yeah. Yeah. And now this is kind of like the reverse, right? Because in the summertime, it's a rumor going around that Kachuk now has to tell the organization, no, I never said that. Now this is the opposite. Now the organization now has to tell Kachuk, no, I never said that. Kachuk seems to be the center of the drama, which that's fitting for who he is. But I don't know. Uh, To me, that was a big thing right away was like, okay, this trade doesn't make sense for me because why would Buffalo when Kachuk's is an unexpiring expiring deal at the end exactly, of the season. Exactly. Why the fuck would he want to re-sign in Buffalo? He's not re-signing in Buffalo. So why would that be the crucial piece going the other way? That, that to yeah, me, that made was, no sense. That was a tip-off to, to this being probably some sort of negotiation leak. Because this is something that Friedman has talked about, and I, um, he says, like, when, when things like this leak, that's why I always only trust Elliot, pretty much, right, when a big piece of news comes out. And I seek his I seek his word as soon as something like this happens. Elliot has said, like, generally, if there's a leak, like a big leak of like information, it's done on purpose. Like there's a purpose behind it from somebody involved in the proceedings, right? Because right. otherwise, why would it get out? Like I just what, don't what would get... be the incentive for somebody to put something out there if it hurts their if it hurts their team and their bargaining power? So um, and I mean, even Pierre Lebrun said that. Um, Vegas was kind of felt some pressure because um, his article on TSN and insider trading LeBron said that at one point Vegas thought that Calgary was getting Eichel on Wednesday. And it was probably based off that report that they were offering up Matthew Chuck. So, well, yeah. Cause they look at what, right. What, they what look they at did Krebs in a first and talk and they're like, Oh shit. As if they're not going to take that. So it seems like this was complete. BS from the start. Yeah. But okay. My question to you is do you think that that should be allowed or not? I don't know. I don't know how you control that, right? Well, you would just have to find, you have to hand out fines, I guess. But do what the Joker does. He says, I know a squealer when I see one, and he's a squealer. (laughs) I don't know. I guess you're right. How do you police it? But fuck, man. I mean, I guess if it's a different situation, but. Like I said, everything just seems to always circle around Matthew Kachuk these days. Um, but I guess that's just who well, he but is. Here, but here's the thing, right? Like, I think it'll continue to circle around him until the Flames lock him up. Until they lock him up and make him the captain. <laughs> yeah, twofold, which is what the Senators did with Brady Kachuk. They're doing everything we should be doing with Matthew Kachuk. So... <laughs> Yeah. I, I and you know what? Like it is, it's a long time ago, but it's kind of like the only flames, um, similar flames uh situation that's that's related is kind of before Jerome was named the captain and it was like was the guy here, there was some contract disputes. Like he held out. He, I, there was a training camp, he wasn't here. It was a bit well, of an untenable situation. And until the flames committed to him on a long term on a big deal, gave him the captaincy. It was a bit rocky. Well, and this is just, it's not necessarily what players do. It's just what agents do, right? This is what the role of the agent is. The agent yeah. wants to get the player the best dollar amount that they can, what they feel like they're worth. That's what they're going to bat to do. They want to give them the best deal, right? The player has their own desires in terms of, you know, length of contract where they want to stay, I don't necessarily, I mean, there's a lot of suitcases in the league, meaning they 
played for what more than five teams. Like how many teams has Hoffman played for now? Just just every season it's a new team. Maybe some guys like that, but if you got a family, you got kids and they're in school, you don't want to be fucking moving around every, you know, 10 months. So I, I that's part of the, ne- the negotiation. And I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's a normal thing. It's a normal thing for, for, for players to hold out and fucking get the best deal. It's just, it's par for the course, essentially. You don't have to look at it in terms of like, Oh fuck. You know, you see some fan bases, I don't know. They boo their player when they when they come back. Only the hardcore ones oh, do man. that. But well, yo, okay. I'm oh man, I'm turning into a total Karen at the dome. I've had I I I'm a dick. I'm sorry, but I I scolded somebody when at the last Carolina game I was at there booing Dougie Hamilton and I yelled at them and they thought I was really weird. I guess because I am. But yeah, don't boo your former players. Yeah, no shit. That was embarrassing for me. So I'm in, I mean, if you're, if you're the person I scolded at the dome for booing Dougie Hamilton, I sincerely apologize. Um, if, but you should, still shouldn't do it. If you're the person that I scolded for reading a book at the hockey game, then I apologize. <laughs> that, that happened to me uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, I look over, I look over, it's like a good game too. It's like, I look over this guy fucking uh, two rows down reading a fucking book. What the shit? He went to the well, game I'm, and reading the book. I so mean, I was, was, at him, was, Ward, book was Ward the coach at, at that point, or was this even before? Uh, Maybe if it was Gullitson. It, 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 was, mean, it was Gullitson. Okay, yeah. well, there you yeah. go. Actually, it might have been, been Peters. Well, still. That's when they were fucking just scoring goals. Yeah, they scored again. It's 6-1. Okay. So, thankfully, uh, Elliot comes and squashes that almost instantaneously because things were getting pretty fucking ridiculously heated. Um, regarding it was getting wild. It was getting wild, completely wild. Um, then when Elliot squashes it, things kind of cool off a bit, but the excitement level still there. Everybody's waiting in anticipation. I knowing, think the, I think sorry to interrupt you, but I think the problem with Elliot that people miss when Elliot squashed the Kachuk thing is that he also said that from his understanding, Vegas was still the way farther along this process than Calgary. Yep. Elliot has been the sobering kind of realistic, yeah. you know, voice of reason throughout the whole thing. And that's why you, you appreciate him and his work so much when it comes to this stuff. But when you're hours away from figuring out who it's going to be, you know, you have there, you know, you have a chance, right? Or at least you think you do. If you're a Flames fan, then you find out 10 hours later that, Oh no, they were never actually in on it. Or they were they were in on it. They were just never close. Not serious about it. No. So and I mean, that, again, like we said off the top of this, if if you just look at the math and what the Flames would have had to do in coupling with Bradshaw Living's history, like this would have been a complicated move that would have involved shedding multiple players. If only, you just think, if you think about it logically, it's like, of course, this wasn't going to happen. No, like that's why. We've been saying, how the fuck do you make this happen? Right? It's like, yeah, you you have the assets. You do. We could have put together a better package. Dude, you're telling me that, that acquisition cost the Flames couldn't have matched that? But it was it's a salary issue. Exactly. You absolutely could have matched it, but then you need a third party to shed cap in order to bring Eichel in. And that's the real issue. 
Brad has made way too many mistakes in the past five years to put himself in cap hill. Hell. Past five years, past five months, even. <laughs> no shit. Well, like you said, if if only you didn't spend six million on Zadorov and Gabranson, yeah, you could have you probably could have made it work. If you yeah, if you don't have Zadorov and Gabranson, who have played really well last night, but uh if you don't have those two contracts on your books and you can like send say like Dubay and Balamaki Buffalo's way, then it's then that that's that. That's the salary. So the night before the eve of the trade, I put another poll out and I asked people, how are you all going to feel when Eichel is traded to Vegas? <laughs> 11 This is 500 votes. 11% said confused. What the hell happened? Uh, 27 said indifferent. Meh, maybe. 28 said relieved because when there's rumors out there that you're going to lose the face of the fran the current face of the franchise. Yeah. Is it not? Come on. 100 percent And again, like forever, all the talk about like the dude is what? He's 23. He's 23 still. How good is is he gonna be better than Jack Eichel in two, three years? Like if Matt he continues Chuck to progress. Just hitting his prime if just. all goes well. Like 23, he, 24, 25 is like usually when guys peak. He doesn't even look slow anymore. Couple bad penalties last night. Um, he, you know, he plays on the edge. He's going to clean it up. Right. But you don't want to take him away from that edge. So you want to, you want to coach him. You want to, I mean, look, at least it's not fucking backland where it's every single fucking night. He takes a stick infraction. Zadorov knows that he can't fuck around anymore. You've seen what he, he's done a little bit of a better job staying out of the penalty box, but these guys are going to get the message. I'm not worried about that. I mean, yes, there's areas of Kachuk's game that he's that's still area room for improvement. But when he does, like this guy is going to be a pretty complete player. Yeah, complete is the right word. Like again, for everybody, it's like, oh, the Flames are after a great start. He's like a main driver of that. You look at the Flames five on five numbers. The top they've been carried by the top line, and I mean, Lindholm and Gaudreau have been getting all the points, but a lot of the dirty work and a lot of the play driving and a lot of the results are driven by Kachuk's ability at five on five. So like. To think he's not a great player or going to be a great player over the next two, three, four, five years, I think is a is a big mistake. It's funny because the uh, I mentioned it, the drama that's that kind of circles around this guy in particular. But don't you want that? Don't you love that? Like, come on, doesn't it make it so fuck? It makes this so much more interesting to follow this team. I mean, yet the last twenty four hours was pretty there's a lot of drama involved right well something i've been like saying to people who are like because i know there are some people and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with them who are like yeah well kachuk would it be worth it for eichel but don't you just love having matthew kachuk on this team like think of how boring the last five years watching this team would have would have been without this guy like nothing would be happening ever it's such a drag right it'd be like johnny gaudreau look phenomenal look at what he's creating or that's about it nothing like can you imagine the Oilers games without this? It'd just be McDavid beating us into the ground every single night for five years. Yeah, because, you know, fucking Luchich ain't doing shit in those games. <laughs> so just a little appreciation of Matthew Chuck. And, I mean, like we said, Brady was made captain today, right? Like, I just – I want them to commit to Chuck, and I know you do too. And I, I I think he's worth – everyone's like, oh, I don't know if he's worth $9 million. I think he's worth $9 million. And he absolutely is. 
he just as a player, yes, he's worth $9 million, but even more so to this team and to this city and to this market, he's worth $9 million because it is kind of funny, right? Like something you hear is like a lot from, from media guys in Calgary and just in general, like, Oh, well, don't, who, who wants to play in Calgary? Right. Like that, that, that's why I think everybody's been so crazed to get Jack Eichel. It's like, there's a chance we can get a guy like this. doesn't come along very often. Neither do guys like Chuck, you know, so they when you really have a home, fucking don't right when you have a homegrown star, which is what you have to do in a small market, lock them up, get them, treat them well, lock them up. Who leads this team in points currently? I'm trying to pull it up. What we're talking is it I think it's uh, still Johnny, but Chuck, Chucky's been uh, up in his production level, dude. He's what he's got four goals now. Let's see here. So we got Elias leads the team in. It's funny, Lindholm and, and uh, Manji Apani, they led the league last week with seven goals. They still have seven goals each. Chucky's creeping up with five. He's got seven points in 10 games. Yeah, so Lindholm has 12. Gaudreau has 11. Rast Daddy and Shillington, baby, quietly they're, having. They're creeping up. Oh, yeah. But I would not be surprised if it's a, if it's a close – First and second between Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Chuck for who has who ends up with the most points this season. Chucky is starting to um, he had a bit of a slow start, but you can tell his his production is starting starting to catch up now. Yeah, and, and I I agree. I think he is worth he is worth nine mil. He's worth it. Like who who makes nine million dollars in this league right now? That like I guess Drysaddle is like the only guy, but he was signed in a different era of contracts. He's oh, you mean, you mean he was locked up? Uh, and that's what I'm saying. On? If you had locked up Matthew Kachuk back to Giapani and Giapani. If you had locked up, because like, I don't, what, what age was Johnny Gaudreau when he signed his, his big deal? The first one that has turned into the biggest bargain in the NHL, save for maybe Nathan McKinnon, right? Like, that's what this all kind of leads back to is like, Kate, we wouldn't have to be, we wouldn't, we shouldn't be in a position where we have to give Chuck this amount of money. If uh, tree living had, had signed him like the senators signed Brady. Like if you trade for a leak in the off season of 2019, or you don't sign James Neal in, in <laughs> the previous off season, have to deal with Milan Lucci's contract. You could have easily locked up Matthew Chuck to a what? Seven, seven and a half million dollar a year deal for on, on the long-term deal. You could have done that. You didn't have to bridge him. The reason, in my opinion, they bridged him was because they were trying to win in that 2019-20 season and they were stuck in cap hell because, like they said, Lucic, Berlique, all these bad contracts on their books. They couldn't afford to fully, properly extend Matthew Chuck, like similarly with Andrew Mangiapane. So that's kind of my argument, too, is like the Flames have kind of put themselves in this position, too, where they have to pay him more than they would have had they committed to him earlier. The Flames. One guy did it. One guy. <laughs> Mr. Second place. Second place did it. It's it's not even BP Jr. anymore. It's now second place. Eh? I mean, we Goal open number up, two. We open up the, the podcast with the Seinfeld bit. I got a problem with second place. You get the silver medal. You almost won. Congratulations. Out of all the losers. You came in first, Brad. You're the number one loser. loser. Five years in a row, baby. You're the best loser of the bunch. (laughs) 
five years straight. Eh? He holds the longest record and he's got the longest running record of consecutive second place um, finishes. Eh? Mr. Second place. I can't wait to see who he almost gets next. Maybe he'll almost sign Johnny Gaudreau this offseason. Who should we almost get next? That's my question. Philip Forsberg? Philip Forsberg, he'd be great to almost get. What about, uh, I mean, obviously there's, I mean, you. this is a great point that you put on, on Instagram is we'll come back to this again because you do have the staunch um, second place, Mr. Second Place, Bradtree Living Defenders out there that, oh, what was he supposed to do? What would you have done? Blah, blah, blah this that right and it's just like there's never a fucking now what you were in on apparently in on jack eichel for eight months completely wasted your time because you were never close so like you said in your instagram stories apparently you've identified a really big need a one c or even a two c would be good because elias Lindholm can perform in a one c position but now what brad you go you can't go out and get Jack Eichel. So who's going to, who's going to be on your target now? And that's been the biggest problem is every time you finish a second place, there's never uh, any more pursuit until oh six months down the road, another guy becomes available. Let me get in second. Let me almost get him now. Well, right. It's like, again, it's the Mark Stone thing. Okay. We didn't get stone. So we're not going to do anything. And then in the off season, we'll just get Lucic. It's like, that's not really the solution. Like, Obviously, if you wanted Mark Stone and Nazem Kadri and Jason Zucker and Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel and Josh Anderson, you must think that this team needs help up front and you're still kind of like dicking around. Like, I mean, Steve Dangle um, tweeted out, he was like, well, for all the teams that didn't end up getting Eichel, Calgary, Anaheim, etc. What now? It feels like you don't go from trying to trade for Eichel to doing absolutely nothing. And oh, then, yes, you do. And then... Right. <laughs> Flames Twitter promptly responded to Steve Dangle. Was like, you must be new here. This is what we do in Calgary. That's exactly what we're going to do, probably. Always in, never close. It's the new motto for Bradtree Living. It's probably, you know how you see in dressing rooms, you got those, like, you know, commitment, and you got these little, like, yeah. one-word sayings. That's that's the label in Bradtree Living's office. Always in, never close. Which, again, that, that that's the most frustrating part of all of these tree living things. And, again, like, if this happens once or twice, you sure, you can go with the, K okay, trades fall apart, trades are hard to make, blah, 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 blah. There's but, a pattern. But when there is a, a three-year multiplayer pattern and there's no follow-up, right? Like, that's what's frustrating is, like, okay, well, why are we just signing Gabranson then? Like, you're going to go from Eichel to just saying, no, we'll just – kind of get a few guys to fill out the fringes. That's what's frustrating for most fans. The most frustrating part of all of this for most fans is not even just about Jack Eichel. It was never just about Mark Stone. It's not about these players even individually. It's just like what happens after is usually not, is, has been nothing. <clears throat> Everybody, this was like, and, and, and people know now because it's like, yeah, like you said, if, if it's one or two times. Well, it's like it, the boy who cried wolf at this point. Yeah, if it's one or two times, and yeah, the, well, the first couple times it was, then the fourth, third time it happens, the fourth time it happens, then you're just like, oh, okay, well, we're, we're now we're in on haul. Let's see what happens. Oh, yeah, well, I figured that was going to happen. You're almost, you're in on it to the very end. Yeah, He was in on it, always in, never close. And then this whole Jack Eichel thing, I think, what, 90% of the fan base was like, 
sure, we were holding on to a hope and a wish that it could actually be true. Jack Eichel could be a Calgary Flame. But in the back of everybody's fucking mind, you're just like, we all know what's going to happen. He's going to almost get him. He's going to be right into the very, very end. You're going to hear the reports on, oh, there's a few teams left. Calgary is one of them. Calgary was right there. But uh, at the end of the day, they just, they they almost won. Mm -hmm. They were that close. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win 100 bucks in free bets if either team scores a point. If you are in Canada or a sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed as they have great daily fantasy sports options. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game, and win 100 bucks in free bets if either team scores a point. Promo code is THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You gotta be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. There's a minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLE. So, always, always and never. But Which, then- and then, like, the fact that there's no follow-up ever, like, it gets you wondering, okay, why is he, like we said, why is he wasting everyone's time? Why is he doing this? Like you, you ha- you're left with the question of like, okay, is he just doing this for show? Right. Is like, it? like, is or, it, <laughs> or does he have some, he gets off on just like, right. You know, like that's honestly like at this point, my kind of like hunch is like, Hey, well, maybe he's just doing this to like appease the broad casual fan who like, Oh, I heard the flames almost got Eichel and they just couldn't make it happen. Heard they almost got stone. Heard they almost got hall. Heard they almost got player XXX. It's like, I don't know why he's doing this if he's not going to address the need that he seems to think this team has identified. It's just, I don't know. It leaves me with some questions as per usual. Did you, did you know Brad almost was in on Gretzky? <laughs> he, he almost got Wayne Gretzky, guys. <laughs> he almost got Ovi. He almost got Sid. Yeah, they, were, they weren't even available, but he almost got him. Anyways, like that's the most frustrating part of all of this. Not even that we didn't get Eichel. Not that Vegas has added Mark Stone and Jack Eichel for like nothing over the past two, three years. But the fact that for like three years straight, we've been in on all these guys, haven't gone any of them. And then there's been no follow-up. I would couple that. I would agree. And I would couple that with the fact that you potentially pissed off Matthew Kachuk again. Yeah, the fact, t- totally. The fact that this whole long drawn out process, yeah. which could have been just for show, because if you were always in but never close, what the fuck were you doing? So anyways, this whole long, drawn-out process, <laughs> it was actually uh, Chase on Instagram, or no, on Twitter, he said this. It was pretty funny. Nailed it. The fact that you failed to get Jack Eichel, and in the process, you were able to piss off Matthew Kachuk again. Wow. Good job, Bradshaw. <laughs> Very well. You fucking handled. nailed it. Yeah. Right? Not only did you not get Jack Eichel while doing it, you potentially soured your relationship with Kachuk even more. Good job. And again, this could all be remediated and would all go away. And I think all the media speculation would go away if they just, you know, had locked him up, made him captain, committed to him a little bit. Like, Kate, now that 
now that there's no $10 million Eichel coming, what's the hesitation to get Gaudreau signed and stuff? Like, that's hopefully what we should start seeing next. Oh, no. He's uh, he's going to be window shopping some more. Okay? You know that's what's going to happen. He's going to distract everybody again for another fucking however long it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, like, is that is that what it is? Like, I would say maybe he's just, like, doing it for show. Is it sleight of hand to distract people from the fact that, like, you know, he he hasn't signed. I don't know. I don't know why. Even if it's on a, I don't know why he's wasting his time doing this. Even if it's on a subconscious level, it, right? That has to be part of the reasoning. All right. Anything else before we get to the game breakdowns? No, I mean, like we all knew it probably wasn't going to happen. We're still left with what's next. And hey, the good news is the team is looking pretty. Yeah, good, that's so. what I was going to say. Like we're all just thankful the team looks good and that Daryl Sutter is doing his thing. Because imagine if uh, we didn't have Daryl Sutter, we had <laughs> we still, <laughs> we still <laughs> Jeff Ward. We had to deal with this. I would literally be banging my head against the wall, a cement one. Eh? Oh man, with nails sticking. Oh out. man, it would be rough. It would be rough around here. So the Nashville game is interesting because if you're looking at the games that we've lost, you've only lost two games before that the Edmonton game and the Ducks game, you dominated Edmonton five on five. You absolutely dominate the Ducks five on five. Um, and then Nashville, I think you dominated Nashville more so than the Ducks and the Oilers. And you still lose that game. So as at least the games you're losing, you're getting a point. Like Sutter said, uh, you got a comeback point. That team wouldn't have done that last year. And I don't think they would have. I think he's right. So at least there's something to take away from it. But the big thing for me is you're still playing good hockey, even though you're losing games. I don't want to see the opposite. I don't want to see you lay a fucking egg. And then you come back and be like, Hey, what's going on with this team? Um, I, I'm, I prefer that when they do lose their games, they're actually games. They probably deserve to win because that's a sustainable way to play over 82 games, over 82 games. That's all going to fare out, right? You're going to, you're going to win most of those games. And so um, I don't know. How do you, do you feel the same way when you see whatever that deserved to win the minimeter was for the, for the Nashville game? It was like ridiculous. It was like 80% flames. <laughs> I, I feel the same way because um, <clears throat> getting these guys to play a certain style of hockey, which is good, which like you said, over the long term wins you games is ultimately going to serve the purpose of winning more playoff games, I hope. Well, and this, to me, it sets the stage for potential breakout seasons, right? If you look at the amount of chances you're getting, where's the... Dude, that first period was insane. They had like six breakaways. That was bizarre, okay? It's like breakaway after breakaway after breakaway. Like that, the there was a 10-minute stretch there in that first period that was like absolute, like again, Predators and Flames always play these wild games. Like, I don't know what it is about Nashville, but like Calgary and like the Flames had 18 scoring or shots. Did they have 18 shots, five on five in the first period? They had nine high danger scoring chances in the first period. It was those, wild. Those breakaways, man, none of them really. I don't know why they're guys. shooting five hole all the friggin' time. So the game report 40 shots is Nashville is 22. For me, this is the big stinker. The power play goes one for six. I get it. As much as we harp on the power play for some, somehow they're fourth in the league. This is they're showing last yeah. night. Yeah. But you can't go one for six, man. 
you're dominating them so hard. You're drawing so many penalties. Yeah, you gotta you gotta put the puck, and that's what Daryl said, right? Like you gotta score. He was talking about it was in the game last night, but I think it applies to to this game against the Predators, right? It's like, okay, well, at some point you have to score. <laughs> yeah. Um, the shot attempts are fifty-two to thirty-three for the Flames. Scoring chances, you fucking doubled them in scoring chances, twenty-nine to thirteen. High danger, eleven to five. Expected goals for seventy-two percent of their twenty-eight. Utter domination and i think that sure we know that we have a finishing issue if that's if that's edmonton yeah and and they and they have 29 scoring chances you're telling me not going to score six goals dry settle alone would score six goals right but the way i look at this is like i i feel like if you're playing this style of hockey you have the potential for breakout seasons you know you have guys like Lindholm can put the puck in the back of the net. Chucky's starting to find the back of the net. Johnny's starting to find the back of the net. I don't know about Monaghan. You got you got to think that Dubé and Maji Pony. One of these guys, maybe it's going to be Dubé, but somebody's got to start kind of having a bit of a breakout and push yeah. their numbers. They got to push their ceiling a bit higher in terms of goals scored because we need more goals. Ah, we're Goal. getting it from Zadaroff, baby. Yeah, fucking that was nice, eh? Last we'll night. get to that in a minute. But um, what, what were your thoughts on Coleman for the last two games? Because his game started to seem like it was really starting to elevate, but he kind of disappeared a bit for me the last two games. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's time to put Manjapani in Pitlick's spot because you really need that. You need goals from that second line more than anything right now, right? Because like the top line is carrying you so much in terms of offense. Chuck Drow Lindholm line. Yeah. And I mean, the Coleman Backlund Pitlick group has been great. They've been driving play, but um, you need them to score. So, I mean, I've liked Coleman's game, but you probably want to see that trio putting the puck in the back of the net a bit more. I don't think he'll make any changes yet. Um, just because they are playing great hockey. And I don't know, he has a different um, approach to how he's separating or spreading it out over the lines. But I don't I don't think he'll make any changes unless things really start to dry up. Yeah. So and my guess. I mean, again, like I'm, I'm just thinking about playoffs, playoff, playoff games. Like we, we said, Edmonton probably scores 28 goals, but Edmonton sucks five on five. Like they're a shitty five on five team. If that's a play, if that's a playoff game between Calgary and Edmonton, where they don't call penalties usually in the playoffs and the games are one, like, again, you saw this last year with Montreal, right? Like who's a better team, Montreal or Toronto, like Toronto all day long, but Montreal beat them. Montreal went to the Stanley cup final for shit's sake. You can't win a fucking game now. Right. Yeah. They suck now because they lost all their good players. It seems Philippe Deneau might've been kind of important to what the Canadians were doing there. Hey eh, guys. But I feel like you play the Oilers in a tightly contested playoff game if you play like that you're gonna win Matthew Kachuk is the highest game scorer here in this game with Manji Pani this is a Nashville game and look um, like like Daryl said you battle back to get that battle back point on probably I haven't cheered that hard at a goal than when Oliver Shillington put that fuck, puck man. bar down I haven't cheered that hard for a goal probably since like I can't even remember Holy yeah, shit, dude. You're cheering a whole bunch of things at once. That's why. You get First off, you're tying the game, right? 
Secondly, to do it in that fashion with that sexy of a goal. <laughs> Thirdly, it's Oliver fucking Shillington, right? So combine all those things and it's like, dude, that was, oh my God, that was nice. Fuck. That was so sweet. And like, I again, Daryl nailed it, right? After the game, he's like, that's a battle back point. Like you said, that this team would not have picked up last year. Shillington also sets up the game time goal last night Damn. against Dallas. What a rush. And now Daryl Sutter's calling him Shilly. Eh? Eh? Daryl Sutter's starting to like this guy, isn't he? How good did Shillington look last night? Look, I get it. He's going to clean up his turnovers. They're not, they're, he always seems to get himself back out of trouble. But man, the burst of speed on this guy, there was that one play, I think, in the second period when, and we fucking dominated Dallas in the second period. But there's one play where it's, he skates blue line to blue line back into his zone and he just explodes. And it's like, there's a guy like three feet ahead of him and he just still gets the puck from him. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I think it's the same play I'm thinking of where he he did turn it over at the blue line, I think. Yeah. And then just bust it back in like five seconds to the neutral zone. And that's what I've said about him too. Like for all the shit people give him for his his turnovers and stuff, I've always kind of pointed out, well, he's such a great skater that he usually can skate himself out of trouble. So I would love to see him in the fastest skater competition. Dude. Oh, he'd, guy. he'd win. Fuck, is he fast? Yeah. Unbelievable. All right, so I don't like the Nashville goals. The Kuhn one's complete fluke, just like uh, Sagan's oh, goal last night. And, like, that game was like, okay, you know how we – you know how Pittsburgh dominated us but Markstrom was insane? That was like we got we got UC Soros against Nashville. Fluky goals, and he was unbelievable, and we couldn't finish. Kuhn scores one at fluky off his chest. He's celebrating like he meant to do it. I don't like it. I don't do not like it when players do that. They should be laughing. Be like, oh God, I'll take yeah, it. Oh, I'll take it. Yeah. Kachuk ties it up with a PPG. Um, then Forsberg, my God, does he look dangerous? Eh? I think he got injured in that game, which is like, okay, great. We'll give Edmonton our sloppy seconds and for no Forsberg, right? And with their backup goalie. Mm-hmm. Well, the third stringer backup goalie. You're welcome. But um Forsberg ties it up. Maybe he'd be great to almost get it. Eh? Yeah, if if we lose out to him because like, um, like who would get him? Who's gonna get him? Vegas Ed- probably. Edmonton probably. Yeah. Edmonton will get him for like a second and a third, and like well, and Brad will be always in on it, but just yeah. never close. It's like we looked at it and the price wasn't right. Just we tried. Hard. We tried everything we could. Tried everything we could. They were asking for way too much, and I couldn't do it. Like you said, she like ties it up, and then the OT goal. Like this is brutal, man. The, that's a blatant trip on the blue line from Anjiapani. I'm not understanding the no calling penalties penalties when they're penalties in overtime back to back games. I'm not really understanding that. It was the exact play on both on both overtime losses. A trip that should have been called. Here's the thing. First of all, it's tripping. Second of all. The guy that tripped him is now up on the play. And then he interferes with Kachuk on the back check. And sure, I don't mind him getting away with that interference, but that's a fucking trip. Now that guy, now Pani is completely out of the play. They're going up on the ice three on two. I think it was, because, back, I think it was Backlund, right? You're natural, because right? of the yeah. trip. Oh, it was Backlund? Yeah. Because of the trip. So, and then they score on that fucking. Yeah, there's nothing play. more infuriating than a missed call that directly leads to a game winning goal. Like, holy like, shit. Like, what are you doing? There's two of you. There's only fucking six players on the ice. <laughs> it's right where the fucking puck was. How was that not called? I don't think Daryl mentioned anything about that 
after the national game, but he definitely mentioned it after the Dallas game. Oh, totally. So there's a missed call. I, I don't know how you mean, like, again, the NHL officiating is probably it's the standard is so pathetically low. It's just brutal. Anything else from the Nashville game that stuck out to you? Johnny Gaudreau, I think you said it was your pick. Oh, dude. I, again, Johnny, like. I can't believe how good he looks, man. This is the he, best he's ever I've ever seen him. I'm sure. Honestly, like, he looks as good as he ever has. Exactly. I'm not saying he's he's looked better than he ever has because there's a couple of seasons where he wins player of the month when he's just fucking unbelievable. He looks that good right now. Like, Johnny had, he had a He's in like, for he, it now, though. Oh, he's in for it under Sutter. Like, he'll never succeed in this defense first. Again, like, after that first period, I was like, yeah, you guys like Daryl Sutter hockey yet? Holy shit. I cannot believe. Having the puck all the time is fun, eh? Playing with pace and speed is really hard to yeah. watch, eh? I did. I can't. That's for me, that's the biggest totally difference because I know Daryl was stressing it when he first came in, and we didn't really see much change in the first few games we did, but we didn't really see a, a big you know, we didn't really see that translate across the board to end the season. Holy fuck. To start this season, this team pushes pace. That second period against uh, Dallas last night, we absolutely fucking dominated them. Usually we're the ones getting dominated for the majority of the game against Dallas. Yeah. They play a similar game, but man, we took it to them for the majority of the game. I thought it was pretty evenly matched, but that second period was not even close. So Johnny Gaudreau against Nashville before we moved to Dallas. 11 shot attempts, 7 scoring chances, 4 high danger chances. Like, he was all over the place, and I know he missed a few. He missed that wide open net, but oh, boy, he looked good. The, the one thing I didn't want to say about 3-on-3 three three against Nashville is, like, I want to see Coleman more. No shit. Like, could you maybe, at like, least push had, him out there and show him back on? At, at least he's got Shillington out there now, eh? Oh, yeah. Shilly. Shilly is hey, Shilly is becoming Daryl one of Daryl's favorite players all of a sudden. Zadarov had a better game last night, hey. It was very good. He's starting to realize, and this is this is how you know the setter effect is real. Zadarov scores and he looks pissed off about it. Right? If you look at his face, he's not celebrating, he's not happy, he's pissed off. I like it. I like it. Keep him in the lineup for now. Totally, you earn your ice. That was such a good snipe, too. Eh? Holy shit! Sweet. All right, let, let's go to let's go to Dallas. Uh, give us give us the game report there. Well, again, I thought this was if you want the first period was kind of rough. Yeah, um, it was. That was probably our worst first period of the season. And it and, was mo- and it was mostly because like I don't think we've played a team who's defensively structured as as Dallas is. Like they play probably the closest in the neutral zone, anyways, to how the Flames play, where they do like to clog it up. And post-game, Daryl did say the first period was rough. Yeah, he said they had a slow start. And I mean, I think he even mentioned he was talking about how Dallas like is a really well-structured team. Yeah, they're big. They've been playing the way they have been for a while. They know how to do it. Yeah, and yeah. that's what you saw in that first period. So, not a great first period. I mean, the goal was... Oh, fuck. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, was that on the Chucky Chirp penalty? Like, I've never seen in my life as a hockey fan somebody get a penalty for chirping stop being a fucking hero yeah it's it's the weird like you i'm sure like the most unimaginable things are said on the nhl ice like i've never seen who's the worst who's the biggest dirtbag in the league 
I don't know, like Tom Wilson or yeah, they don't get uh, do they get penalties for like mouthing off? I've never heard of that. Well, especially when at least for the first half of the game, there's no nothing going, nothing getting Dallas isn't getting called for shit. That was some grade A shit again last night. You the Nashville game missed calls last night was a an absolute. That's frustrating. But anyways, a a bit of a rough first period. But I mean, like you said, the Flames owned the second four high danger chances to Dallas's zero at five on five. Flames end the night with 33 shots to Dallas's 28. Go one for five on the power play. Dallas goes one for three. I'm again one for five. Power play's been good, but maybe get one more goal in that game. That's two for 11 in the last two games. Yeah, you you need to. Your percentage needs to be higher on that. You you lost out on probably at least one, maybe two points because your power play went two for 11 in the last two games. Flames own possession, shot attempts 43 to 32. They own the scoring chances again by a margin, a slim margin this time, 19 to 15. But high danger chances, nine to five, expected goals for 57 to Dallas is 43%. So, I mean, a pretty sound game after a slow start. Um, and again, like Sutter said, they earned the one point because again, they battled back, which is again, like you didn't see that very much last year. Like, you know, when the team, when like if Dallas is up to one last year, yeah, or three, fuck. yeah, or yeah, they did it twice, right? Yeah. Second period, they battled back. Lucic gets a nice little tip and goal. Um, Zadarov with the assist, goal and assist last night, dude. And I mean, Gabranson was. Like, Dude, there, there was a couple rough shifts for sure in the D zone where he looked rough and he looked old. But I mean, the dude looked like comparatively looked like Bobby Orr out there occasionally. <laughs> he's like, he's like taking the puck zone to zone, man. Oh man, I thought he had a great game. Yeah, he was good. Chucky ties it up on the power play. Um, fuck, that was a nice five on three. Hey, it's nice. In the past, this team would get five on three as you're like, oh fuck. They're never going to score. They never did. But that was a nice five on three goal. Huge goal in the game. Dude. To take the lead over. Matthew Kachuk gets his revenge. Matthew Kachuk has five goals already. He does. He's not worth $9 million. No, he's not worth it. He's overrated. I like the power. I like, yeah, I like that power play setup. Actually, there was some behind the net action. That was cool, eh? Which Two guys I behind the net. I haven't seen before, and I've always wanted to see like that. I that's how know. you play a five on three, baby. I don't know if that was just. Yeah, that might have just been like, hey, what are you doing back here? I don't know really? if that was by design or. <laughs> exactly. But it worked. And then, and then fucking Blake Coleman. Here's my thing, dude. How is Blake Como still in the league? How does Blake Como not draw blood? He absolutely oh, high geez, sticks. Louise. That was a sharp blade. Right to the face of Johnny Gaudreau. To me, that's the TSN turning point because that cried. That should have been a four minute penalty, even though it shouldn't have because he didn't draw blood. Johnny's skin made of jeez, right? How does he not draw blood? That's like the point of a stick right into the face with quite a bit of force. And but if he draws four, yeah, they don't tie it up with what six seconds remaining. Five seconds, yeah. Um, what do you think of the goal of (laughs) Mark? Yeah, not good. There, the fir- at first when you look at it like oh man I guess it was a well placed shot which it was but I don't know to me Noah Hannafin was the issue there like for him to A completely whiff on the puck yeah, and then stand still and let a guy skate right past you and then not catch up but get back on the play like that's where the breakdown happens 
It's a weird, weird two-on-one. He gets- yeah, you, you let them walk in, too. Like, that's a two-on-two, really, and Hannafin plays it poorly. His gap is kind of weird there. I don't know. Just fuck. it's a bad it's a bad goal though, but but you could then, see Mar- you could see Markstrom was he thought that was going to be played differently. Yeah, it just it just it wasn't unfold- like it beat him clean. He was cheating to the middle a bit. It unfolded really weird. It was weird. Yeah, like it's uh, and whatever, man. The guy's been so good. He's got he's, three shutouts in five games. He's allowed to have one where you say, okay, he wants that one back every once in a while. Just don't keep doing it. Then fucking, this is even flukier. Sagan, yeah, tips Doink. the puck into his own chest, Doink. and then celebrates like he meant to do it. That pissed me off as well. But then the flames don't die; they don't go away. Dude, Chillington looked like a man on a mission. Chillington looks like Bob Orr, dude. Dude, that was an incredible. Like I don't know which I was. I'm more. I don't know if I was more impressed by the by the the transition play. Or by the shot by Nikita Zadorov. Man, that was such a good shot. Like he, Dude, he like he for a guy that. who has no offense, he can rip it. And he meant to, where he put it is where he meant to. Like so, fuck, that was a great goal. Yeah, and then and then go back and look at his face. <laughs> He's pissed. Good. He's like pissed. I love it. There's one more comment I wanted to make about the kind of that mentality. I saw this in the Nashville game. I think. Um, did they go up in Nashville? They were behind. No, they were behind. I think they were behind one nothing, and then it pans to the bench. Oh yeah, and every the focus on all these guys' faces is like if you pan the bench when Morgan's the coach, guys are like fucking looking around, just like fucking up in the stands, looking at the jumbotron, just fucking planning um, their playlist for practice. Whatever. Yes, yeah, it's just like it's fun. Hey, we're having fun, guys. Fun. Now you fucking look at the bench, man. And so, this guy's these guys are all just fucking raring to go, ready for the next shift. So focused, fucking love it. Well, again, you you listen to guys post game, and I don't mean to go. We don't mean to go all Cassie Campbell on on you guys here and talk about like their faces and demeanor. But if you will, if you will, if you will, if you will, do here's a drinking game. When Cassie's on the call, take a drink every time. Uh, she says, if you will, you'll be plastered by like five minutes into the first. It's insane. Um, but you listen to these guys post game and their comments, if you will. And it's just so if <laughs> it's so much different than it used to be. Right. It's like you hear Markstrom and he's like, after having three shutouts, he's like, yeah, I still got to be better. You know, well, he's he does that regardless. But yeah, yeah, he's nuts. But I mean, just just the way they talk about the game and it's not, there's no more. Oh yeah, I thought we played good. Yeah, we're still it's the process, you know, blah blah blah. It's like it's constant the theme is improvement every single night. That's what you want to see. Well, and then you listen to the post game with Daryl after. Oh yeah. Like, he's just so fucking dialed in. And here's here's one clip I wanted to throw in because he's talking again. This was great. Talking about how this team there's still much more work to go and especially with individuals and just basically speaking to what we've been Harping on as a fan base for the past three seasons is like, can you just fucking figure it out? Here it no, I think it's uh, we're some of some of the parts, the whole thing. Like, and, and we had some guys that were, hey, if you don't have your A game, you better have a good B game. We had some guys that didn't tonight have either. So, 
That's why I say, I mean, we earned the point by, you know, by those guys that made those, you know, those hard plays to, to get us the point. But I still think some guys, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna win unless everybody's, everybody's, at, on top of their game. It's what it is. It's what I said all along. It's a process for these guys. A lot of returning players. That will, you know, it's baby steps for a lot of guys. So, what a difference. I mean, it's it's weird because I guess he is saying process, and it's very well. It's similar. weird. He's saying it, it's a process, not saying trust the process, right? Like he's like exactly. These yeah. guys are learning to play a certain type of way, as opposed to, oh, my process is brilliant. Brilliant. If we just stick to it, everything is going to be. Rosy. Well, and you're and the thing, the biggest difference is you're seeing the process. Yeah, with, you're seeing Jeff, results, right? Like, Jeff Ford, you're like, what process? Exactly. You just got out chance <laughs> 50 to 12. Somehow you win, and that's the process. <laughs> the yeah, process yeah. is hang Dave Riddick out to dry and win. That's the process. That's what we're supposed to trust. You know what the process is. He says it's, it's playing as a unit. And I mean, we talked about this in the last podcast of like playoff hockey, the teams that have success. There is no individual fucking play above the team. Everybody's positionally sound for each other. That's so hard to play against, dude. When everybody has got everybody's position backed up, that's how you play. That's what he's getting teaching these guys how to do. That's the process. And I love how he calls them out. They're still individuals, and he'll make sure they know who they are and what they need to do. Like, he's so dialed in. And he also mentioned how, you know, the missed call on Mangiapane in overtime was a total missed call because the Flames dominated them in overtime. But Mangiapane gets like a breakaway, gets blatantly bowled over. And, I mean, we haven't even discussed the fact that Markstrom got called for delay of game when he didn't even touch the bloody puck in the no-touch zone. But it was very similar to the national game. Missed call at the Flames end, and they come down and score. Why is there always these games where just like the refing is so one-sided where it almost you can't help but make it it doesn't you can't help but think it's intentional. Like well, it's just like it's so one-sided that it's just like, are they intentionally not calling not giving Calgary the power play while giving them penalties? Is, well, is it intentional? Yeah. Like last night, how can you say, yeah, Matthew Kachuk's get gets a penalty for lipping off from the bench? And the Flames get called on a uh, – Markstrom gets called for not playing the puck. Bad mistaken call. And then Mangiapane gets tripped on a breakaway in overtime. Not a breakaway, a partial break in overtime. You don't get that call. Like, how can you look at that and say that's balance and, and well-done officiating? You like, that's know. Not, that's not even game management officiating. Like, if it was game management, they would have made up for the two shit calls against the Flames and give them a call. Like, it was just – it's just – it's brutal. Well, that's the thing is you know this is how these refs operate. Okay, well, that was maybe a questionable call. We'll do a makeup. We'll do a yeah, makeup. Game management. Not fucking, not last not night. Not last night. No, actually, we missed a call. Markstrom didn't actually play it in the little fucking trapezoid area. But uh, when they, you know, get tripped on a breakup, we won't, we won't make it up. Yeah, like last night was the word because most people who hate game management, like I think we everybody does, say just call the rule book. Last night was neither. They weren't managing the game or calling the rule book. They were just doing dumb shit. And both ways, it was going against the Flames. They're calling the rule book incorrectly against the Flames and then not calling the rule book at all against the Stars. So fuck right off. Yeah, it was bad. 
So Daryl does say something about a post game. I mean, he's not making a big stink about it like John Tortorella, but he's uh, vocal a little bit, right? I mean, so he said that's a penalty on Monge. That's a penalty. Fuck. Back to back games. Um, the Flames do need to figure out some both goals in the last two overtime. It was funny because Francis. Man, oh man, why does he get so many questions? He he asked Daryl after this game. He was like, "Do you need to work on your three on three overtime?" And Daryl was like, "Well, actually, like probably not." If you look back at my record with the Kings, we were like the best three on three team ever. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, there was actually like it, the you mentioned Hannafin kind of making a, a weird read on on the Como goal in overtime. He seems to be kind of making some weird reads as well. His his biggest weakness is his hockey sense. Great skater. Yeah. He does a straight line thing pretty good. I don't get what he's doing half the time when he's trying to create offense because he doesn't. But the game against the Ducks, he was on the ice and made that weird play with Monaghan too. The Flames have lost three overtime games all in a similar fashion, getting burned. And I think he was on the ice against on the Predators goal too. Getting burned off of weird plays um, in the offensive zone. And then they get scored on in overtime in the rush, like to a T Anaheim, Nashville, Dallas. That's how they've been scored on in overtime. So I, I want to see Coleman in, in overtime a little bit more would be my preference. Put Coleman, Monge, and Shillington out there together, dude. Yeah. I, 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 I like the, the Gaudreau Lindholm, poor Monaghan. He's just like, oh, he used to be me out there. He's just been totally replaced by Lindholm. Obviously, Gaudreau Lindholm is a great pairing. Kachuk and Backlund have been a great pairing in the past, but I mean, they haven't looked great in overtime. Like, I don't know. I want to see more of, I want to see more of Mange in general. Like, I think Kent Wilson tweeted this. I was like, he didn't play a ton. Five on five last year. Again. Again. Like, Pitlick played more than him. I, at this point, I don't know what Lewis does on this team. Other than, like, I don't know what he does because he hasn't been very good. So, I want to see more of Mange and I want to see more of Coleman. Okay, thoughts on Richardson's first game? I mean, not very good, but. What do you expect? Yeah. All right. Anything else uh, game-wise, numbers-wise? Well, again, Zadorov had a great game. I, he, like, again, he looks slow out there. When you, when you do have – did you see the, the goals, the, the goal or the uh, the box score when Lucic scored? It was like Lucic from Zadorov and Gabranson. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Gabranson, like, has, Gabranson has four assists this year. He has as many points as Sean Monaghan. Dude, he's been good. I mean, you look at these uh, the game scores after. Zadorov second to Lindholm. You well, got, Zador, again, like Zadorov, he gets he gets the goal and the assist, but Daryl referenced it, I think, post-game two, is like against Dallas, who plays a strong, smart, physical brand of hockey, you need guys who can play that way, and he did that last night. Yeah, yeah he was... He what was, was the one play. Was it Ben? I think it was. Yeah, ben. he 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 angles off Ben and just a perfect. Just that's how you want Nikita Zadorov to play defense. Yeah, Jamie Ben's coming in on the rush. Looks like he maybe has a step, but Zadorov plays him perfectly and then eliminates him. Just drives him right into the boards. Was it the one on the half play. boards or in the corner? Because he did it twice. I think it was the one on the half boards. Yeah, that was, was that was perfect nice. play early in the game. He does it in the corner too. He's yeah, that's what you want. But if you're looking at your top five game scores, you got Linholm, Zadorov, Shillington, Gabranson, Lucic. <laughs> 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 I 
I mean, yeah. love, you love to see it. I mean, it, oh, like it's, it's great, man. Like people, Carol people says. give a shit for like what? Like, there's nothing that I want more than for Erica Branson to be good for this team, right? Like, yeah, they deserve to win a meter. I always love this one. Fifty-five percent of the time, Kyrie wins that game. So, you I mean you take the majority of, of the play and fucking refs in the. But the thing is, man, if you have five power play attempts, yeah, I guess one of I guess one of them is nullified with with the fucking missed call, but. Still, you gotta fucking take better advantage. Yeah, totally. Um, you also anything else you want to say about Monahan? Because you did make a point. Ugh, like, I don't know. It's like, what do you do with the guy? Right? Like he's he's not doing. He had the one good game against um. Was it he'll Philly? come around. He'll come around. But man, he just needs I, to. I play, sure hope so. He just needs to play against easier opponents. And I get and... like again, he's playing with Lewis and Richardson last night, both of whom suck. So I hope they can figure out to do with Monahan. I really do because they need him. But like again, a Sean Monahan goal in the last two games gets you an extra, probably an extra point at least. So all right. So they have two games left in this little homestand they're in. They're one zero oh, and two, so they beat Philly. They go back to back overtime losses. So you got the Rangers coming up on Saturday evening. You got two days off, and then you face the Sharks. I guess we'll be recording after the Sharks game before they go on a two, four, six, seven Woo! game road trip. Which hey, the Arizona road trips. I like it. I like it. They're playing better on the road right now. Plus, you get to see those seven games in a row in those sexy white uniforms. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, I need me. to wear those at home occasionally, I think. Those are too nice. Yeah. Um, but, man, it'd be nice if you get three out of four points coming up here against Rangers and the Sharks. Um, they're both off to decent starts. I think the Sharks are going to level off a bit. But, yeah. anyways, um, you can't almost beat them. You can't come in second place like Brad. Your living does against these teams. You have to, you know keep playing the way you're playing i guess trust the process 